Awesome. Well, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? I would like to do this. If we could just, we've already been in a, in a spirit of prayer, but if we could just pray one more time right now. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, I just ask right now, could you just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit where you are? Thank you, Father. We surrender everything to you, Jesus. Everything, God. Everything in our hearts is yours. Everything in our mind is yours. Everything we have, Jesus, thank you. Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for your, my brothers and sisters. I thank you for this church, God. I thank you for what you're doing in this place. Father, I pray that today, Lord, as we enter into your presence and into your word, I pray that you would move, God. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with you. Yes, Lord, you use me strictly as a vessel, and that's it, God. And, and I wish to only be your servant. And Father, I pray that our hearts would be touched by you, God. That every person that leaves this place today, Father, would say in their hearts, look what Jesus did for me today. Look how he moved in me today. Because, Lord, that's the most important thing. It's you, Jesus. It's you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. My heart has been in this place over the past week, really. It's just this. I want to know Jesus more. I want to love Jesus more. No matter if, if in the process I, I stumble, no matter if I'm on top of the mountain, no matter where I am, I want to know Jesus more. And my heart this morning, I, I, I was saying to a few people before service started, this, this would have to be one of the top, like, top five weirdest Sundays I've ever had. You may say, well, why is that? Well, of course, we're having our youth luncheon after church. Please stay. Um, help, help our youth students get to camp. But... Also, I got a message late last night that I needed to be prepared to preach this morning. And it was still wasn't sure yet. And the pastor texted me this morning and said, you're preaching. And I said, okay. You know, so the funny thing was is I didn't get in bed until 3.30 because I was cooking the meat all night for everybody in this place. So have some grace with me. I'm wide awake. By God's power and spirit, I'm literally wide awake. I thought I was going to be tired. I'm like, I'm awake right now. But I want to share my heart with you. I want you to know my heart. I think the most important thing we have is our heart. I mean, think about it. I mean, without your heart, of course, physically you can't live. But without your heart, you have nothing. Right? Where does the purpose of your life come from? It comes from within your heart. People do what they do based off of their heart. You know, we can learn a lot about somebody just strictly sitting down and listening to their heart, right? You could sit down with somebody for 20, maybe 30 minutes, and in that time, you could really find out what they're about very quickly. And I think it's important that as Christians, we need to know where our heart is. We need to know if our heart's in the right place each and every day, because we know that Jesus said, as we get closer and closer, the hearts of men will what? Grow cold, right? Notice he said the hearts of men. He didn't bring up anything else but the heart. And that's because when Jesus ministered, he ministered from the heart. Think about it. 
Everything he did was out of relationship to God the Father. Everywhere he went, everything he said, every person he interacted with, it was out of relationship to God in his heart. It says when he was looking out at the people, on the, you know, when he's standing on the mount, when they're about to feed the thousands of people there, his heart was compassionate for them, right? It says when he looked down upon the, the people who were needing healing from their sickness, his heart broke with compassion. It said that whenever he walked up on the procession of Lazarus' death, his heart was broken. Do you understand that God feels what we feel, knows what we know? And I think sometimes we act as if he doesn't. We act as if, God, do you really know my heart? Do you really know what I'm dealing with? Do you really know how I feel? And the answer is yes. The answer is completely yes. Because God knows your heart today, each and every person in this place, he knows your heart better than you could know it. He knows every intent of it, every thought of it. Jesus even spoke and said that what comes out of the heart is what proves what a man is about. Of course, I'm paraphrasing. He would, when he speak to the Pharisees, not about what you were eating. Of course, they were talking about the dietary things. But he said, what comes out of you? You see, the only thing in our lives that can produce something out of us is strictly from the heart. Strictly from the heart. So my question today is this, where is your heart? Where is your heart? I'm not talking about, yeah, it's, it's located here. No, no, no. Where is your heart in relationship to God today? Is it in the right place? Is it far left? Is it far right? Where is it? Is it constantly on him? I think sometimes we are all our biggest critics, right? We're really good about loving everybody else and then beating ourselves up. Looking at ourselves in the mirror and thinking we're not good enough. And Brother Jason did an amazing job in prayer this morning illustrating and saying this. We are worthy of what God has given us because of Jesus. We are worthy to say that our heart can be in the right place with him. Regardless of how many mistakes you make, regardless of how you may feel, sometimes we wake up and we don't feel it, right? Come on, be real. We don't feel it, right? We wake up, we don't feel like being a Christian. We wake up, we don't feel like doing the things that we know God is calling us to do. Yet God, each and every day, what does he do? He calls to our heart. He calls to our heart. I think of in scripture how it says, do not let your heart grow what? Hard, right? Why? God didn't say don't let your mind grow hard. He said, let your, don't let your heart grow hard. Why? Because again, out of your heart, everything comes from here. How you love your wife, how you treat your kids, how you work in your workplace, how you interact with people. If your heart is hard, when you go out and you try to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it, it'll be impossible. You'll see everybody as a problem, everything as, as a complaint. Everything that you do will be based off of a hard heart. But when your heart is soft to God, what does God do? He uses you, he molds you, he shapes you. I always pray this prayer. My prayer at times is this, God, make my heart like warm clay, something that you can mold, something that you can shape, something that you can use. Don't let it be hard. Make it like warm clay. Again, where is your heart today? I want my heart to be in the right place with God. You may say, oh, Pastor Reese, isn't it? Yeah, it might be, but I want it to be more. What's wrong with that? What is wrong with that? I, 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 I'm tired of, of us feeling like 
we walk with God to a certain extent and then we kind of are at this place and we just kind of autopilot. I want more. I want more of Jesus. I want to know that I know that I know. That's my heart today. So again, this morning I want to share with you what God has been doing in me really this past week. Last Wednesday night at youth, we literally had all the students in these altars and we spent the entire hour and 20 minutes pursuing the heart of God. Well, Pastor Reese, did you do something fun? I think pursuing the heart of God is fun. Do you? Maybe you should check your heart if you don't think pursuing God's heart is fun. Maybe that's something he needs to change in you today. Because if you view pursuing the heart of God as a religious duty or a difficulty, which listen, guys, some people do that. They view God as as almost like a chore. But if you view it as you're going to spend time with him, and not only is he going to move in you, but he's going to use you, you come out of that place so much more excited, so much more ready to see what God's going to do. And so we sat in these altars with these students, and we prayed in the spirit, and we laid hands on them, and we believed that God was going to do the miracles. I said, how many of you need miracles in your life? They started raising their hands. I said, tell me what your miracle is, what you need God to do. They started speaking it out. I said, let's pray in the name of Jesus that it can happen. If we're not careful, our heart can grow cold to that. Our heart can grow cold to the thought that God could do a miracle. Let's let our hearts this morning be close to the Lord. My main text this morning is out of Psalm 19. You could turn there, it'll be on the screen. I'm gonna start in verse 12, and I'm gonna read it in the NIV, but I'm also gonna read it in the NLT because just the, 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 the translation in the NLT, just I like the way it sounds and what, what God's putting in my heart. The title of today's message is this. No, my heart, of course. It says, who can discern his errors? Verse 12, forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sin. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, this is David. This is a psalm of David, if you're not aware. And David's talking about the the servant of the Lord. He refers to it distinctively. I believe he's even talking, he's talking about himself. You know, David didn't realize this was going to be a psalm. Okay, remember that. When he wrote these, he's writing this out out of what? His heart, right? He's writing it out of the depths of his heart. Listen to it in the NLT. It says this, how can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Wow. Wait a second. This is David. This is the guy that's after what? God's heart, right? This is the guy that's anointed king, yet he's saying to God, how can I know all of the evil things that could be lurking in me, in my heart? Then he says, cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sin." Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. Verse 14, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think it's really interesting how God always emphasizes the heart. Anytime I'm in scripture or I'm reading through scripture, especially in the gospels, I hear more about Jesus, like I said this earlier, he's always talking about the heart of men. It even says at one point, 
he didn't go and do a particular thing, and I'm paraphrasing, because he knew the hearts of men. He knew what, what men were gonna do. He knew that if he went up there and did necessarily the said thing that he knew in his heart he could do, they were gonna, you know, basically call him the king and try to take him up to the throne and try to, you know, he knew the hearts of men. You may say, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, yeah, but sometimes God can see our hearts, whether they be good or bad, and then he, in his definition of his will, determines what is correct, right? I, in my heart, could be thinking something is good, but in God's heart, he could be saying, no, that's not for you. That's not for you. See, we have to know God's heart because if we know God's heart, we know all of him. We know all of him. We know all of who he is. Our heart is the most important thing. It's where true life and true change in a person happens. Change comes within your heart. People, I've noticed today especially, will do all these programs and they will do all these things, right? Let's think about it, come on. They have all the books you can read, you know, like five steps for this, 10 steps for this. And notice, it's always about you doing something but not changing your heart. It's always about you doing a, a, a kind of a duty list of things physically and then somehow mentally, or you know, big thing today is think positive. Think positive, right? Be the most positive person. If you're positive all the time, you have the, you know, whatever it's called, the, the, the good energy or whatever, I don't know, weird stuff that they're talking about. No, 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 no. If your heart is good, your life will be good, period. That's why Jesus said no one's good but God. Because God's heart is the only heart that is purely righteous and holy. He said no man is good. Why was he saying that? He wasn't saying that because there wasn't anybody on the earth at that time that truly wanted to do good things. Just like today, there's plenty of people that we know who may not even be Christians or who may be Christians who desire to do good things, to help the homeless person or to give to somebody in need or, or to donate something or to go over to someone's house and fix something for them. There's plenty of that, right? We see those good actions. We see those good things all the time. But Jesus wasn't talking about that. He was talking about the heart. He was saying truly in the heart of a person, there is no good. You see, God didn't want to stop there with us, right? He wanted to make sure that he could give us a way to get our hearts back right with him. Amen? Our heart is so important. If a man's heart and soul is not in the correct place, it will affect that person or that, that man or woman deeply. Let's, let's think about our world today. Think about all of the crime, all of the evilness. Where does that come from? That comes from a person's heart. And then vice versa, think of the good. It comes from a person's heart. It all stems from there. And no one truly knows a person's heart. Husband and wife can live together for years upon years upon years, but that wife can never know deeply all of that husband's heart, just as that husband can't know deeply all of that wife's heart. That doesn't mean they don't care. That doesn't mean they don't try. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is you don't know those deep inner thoughts, those deep inner things in that person. You don't know. I mean, Jesus even alludes to that. I think Paul alludes to that at one point. says, you know, no one knows the spirit of a man except himself, right? It's only that man. You know, I, I don't know what's all in Carlos's heart. I'm not Carlos. 
Carlos doesn't know all of what's in my heart because he's not me. Yet there is one who knows everything within your heart and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. As much as we try to hide, as much as we try to mask it, as much as we try to work on our exterior, Jesus knows every part of your interior. Every part. Even the things you buried. Even the things you thought if someone knew about, they would never love me, yet Jesus loves you. Yet Jesus sees that part of your heart and he says, I still love you. Even with that, even with that. My first point today is this. God is the only one who knows all of your heart. Again, you can read as many books. Husbands, you can read a million books. You're never gonna know everything that your wife is thinking. Trust me. Trust me. And she's thinking about a lot of stuff, okay? She really is. I know my wife is. In a good way. (laughs) Tag that. In a good way. In a good way. God is the only one who knows all of your heart, every part of you. Look at that psalm again. Look at verse 12. It says, who can discern his errors? David's saying, who can really discern what's in me? Well, it's not gonna be any person that you meet on the street. It's not gonna be any relative that you have. And definitely, listen, it's not gonna be just alone some psychiatrist or therapist. Those things are good. But I encourage people, if they don't have a relationship with God, go to Jesus first. Of course, talking with people is good, but we live in a crazy world today, and broken people trying to fix broken people doesn't always work, right? We need the one who can fix us, the great physician, that's Jesus. Why? Because he knows all of your heart. He knows all of your problems. He knows all of what you need. So who can discern his errors? And he says, forgive my hidden faults. I think it's so humble of David. This dude, like if anybody could ride the high horse, it would be David, all right? I mean, 13, 14 kills a giant, is anointed king, knows it. He knows, yet is so humble in submitting himself to Saul. Yet he is so wicked to David. I mean, the list goes on and on and on with David. Yet he's saying to God, God, I still know there's things in me that aren't, they're not right. I still know there's things in me, God, there's hidden things that I need you to fix. Forgive me. Are we walking like that every day? Are we willing enough to ask God to show us the flaws within us so that he can fix them? Listen, I understand he's redeemed us. I understand he saved us. I understand he's done all that. But sanctification is, What is it? It's a process, right? And we all have things that Jesus, each and every day, he wants to help us in. He wants to strengthen us in. And here's David saying that. He's saying, God, forgive me of my hidden things that I don't see. My hidden faults. The things that when I look in the mirror, I don't notice. Yet other people may notice. Reveal them to me. Forgive me of them. Cleanse me of them. God knows all of those things. He knows the things that we're thinking. He knows the things that we're feeling at all times and every moment. Every moment, he knows. And yet, again, he still loves us. You ever got mad at somebody? Come on. You ever got frustrated? Yeah, come on. Yet God sees that, he knows that. And he still loves us. 
My question is this, what man today can do that? On this earth, there's no person that can do that. But there was, like I said, and is one, Jesus. Think about the story. How many of you know the story? It's in John. Look at John chapter one, verse 47. I'm not gonna read the scripture, but you go there. Go to John chapter one, verse 47. And Jesus, is, it's kind of, he's formulating his team right now. This is what's going on, right? He has Peter and Stephen who, who jump on board. You know, he's just kind of walking by and they see him. And he says, come on, come follow me, you know? And they come and follow him. And then they begin to see what he's doing and what he's saying and what he's teaching. And so they, they begin to go tell their friends. And who do they meet up with? Who do they go and tell? A man named Nathaniel, right? Nathaniel is underneath the fig tree. Yet Jesus sees and knows his heart. And what happens? Nathaniel walks up to Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't go, oh, Nathaniel, the wicked sinner, blah, 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 right? Notice that. He doesn't say that to Nathaniel. Jesus doesn't say it. Think about it now. Jesus knows all of their hearts. That means Jesus must have known Nathaniel wasn't perfect. Jesus must have known that he had faults and flaws. And, And maybe even that day, yet when Jesus sees him, he says, an Israelite who is there is no deceit. Jesus points out what? His righteousness. Interesting. Because Jesus knows in Nathaniel's heart, that's what he desires the most. He's wanting to live correctly in relationship to God. Did you know that God knows your desire for him? He knows whether or not you truly want him or you truly don't want him. That's why it always surprises me when people want to play games with Jesus. You know? He knows, he knows, you think he doesn't know? He knows exactly what you want. He knows exactly what you're doing. He knew exactly who those Pharisees were and he knew exactly who the disciples would be. Interesting. I think it's amazing that Jesus didn't show up in the time that he came to do ministry and pick all of the Pharisees to be his followers. Notice that. He picked these Galilean fishermen who were nobodies. But see, Jesus saw their hearts. He knew what was in their hearts. He knew that in their heart, God could do something great. And see, if you keep your heart correct with God each and every day, he can do something great. He can do something great. Those men had flaws just like us, yet God said, I'm gonna do something great. He said, Peter, I'm gonna build my church on you. Think about it. Yet Peter was the man who denied him three times. As if Jesus didn't know he was going to do that. Yet God restores him and then Peter becomes that pinnacle apostle to lead into the Pentecost movement in the book of Acts. We read about it. So what is my point here is this. God knows the intention of your heart. He knows the desire of your heart. You may think, does he? No, he does. He knows if you're truly in it, if you truly want him. Look at what David said after Nathan came to him. This is in Psalm 51, verse one through four. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, 
Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned. And and alone what is evil in your sight and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and are justified when you judge. You see, this was right after Nathan came to David and pointed out the fact that he had sinned and committed adultery and then further on with murder and all those things with Bathsheba. Yet the amazing thing is, is here's David encountering God in his heart. And as he's pouring out his heart to God, God is restoring him and strengthening him. Maybe someone in this room today, you need to find some restoration in your heart with Jesus. I'm gonna tell you, you can find that today. You can find that in him. God sees the heart of a person above everything else. Think about this. Let's go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter 10. I love this. Go to Romans chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 9. Some of you already know where I'm going with this. Some of you know this scripture like the back of your hand. You've used it to speak to people. You've used it to lead people to Jesus. Yet I want you to really think about what's being said in this scripture. This is Paul, Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and what? Believe in your heart. See, not only out of your heart, comes the issues of life, the choices of life. But did you know out of your heart comes your faith? Out of your heart comes what your faith will be. If my heart is correct with God, if my heart is in the pursuit of God, I'm gonna tell you right now, your faith will be sky high. Why? Because God will be giving you that faith through his spirit. He will be strengthening you in your faith and in your heart. Faith comes from the heart. It doesn't come from the head. Think about it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I could just, my brain could just shut off because it causes more problems than anything else, right? Have you ever felt that way? You're like, man, my brain's getting in the way. Ah, not that I can't think clearly or, 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 you know, that I'm stupid, but it's simply that my brain wants to try to analyze it. My flesh wants to try to figure it out when my heart's just like, let it be. Let it be. That's all you need. Just let simply have faith. Today, when I walked out to Brother Jason's truck, I saw his daughter out there, and she's so sweet. I pointed at her, she started laughing. She started laughing. Pointed at her and started laughing. I just love it. And Jason said, to have faith like a child. I said, to have a heart like a child. Let our hearts be like children to God as our Father. When our hearts are like a child to God, anything is possible. Anything is possible, no matter what it may be. We need to understand that it's from the heart. Again, it's from the heart that we believe. Maybe you're struggling in your faith today. Maybe you're dealing with a difficulty in your life. I simply say this, believe from your heart. Believe that God is gonna do it from your heart. Trust him. Yeah, but what about this? And what? No, 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 turn that off. Just believe. Turn that off, just believe. Sometimes it's better not to try to analyze everything and just simply trust God in faith in your heart, amen? 
I've, I've learned that more through this COVID season than anything else. God, I just got to trust you, my heart. It doesn't matter what I see. Why? Because faith doesn't come by seeing, right? It doesn't come by seeing things with our eyes. Faith is the things that are what? Unseen. Which come from what? The heart. I don't hope with my brain. I hope with my heart. I believe with my heart. Let our faith come from our hearts. The second thing is this. God has the power to keep our hearts if we let him. Did you know God has the power to keep your heart correct with him, but that's only if you let him? Well, what do you mean, Pastor Reese? Well, if I choose to defy God, don't expect my heart to be right with God. But if I choose to say yes to God, then God will enable me and give me the strength that I need to walk with him in my heart. Each and every day. This is something we do every single day. Like I said earlier, it's by the heart that we find what? Salvation. We confess with our mouth, but we what? Believe in our heart. So when I'm believing in my heart and who Jesus is and what he's done for me, that he died on the cross for me, that he's called me his own, that he's freed me from the power of sin. I mean, again, Brother Jason said it so eloquently during prayer. He's redeemed you by faith. By believing in your heart. It's not about what you do. It's not about how much you work for it. I'm doing right now with, with my school that I'm in to get my license with the Assemblies of God. I'm doing right now a course that does a verse-by-verse verse study of the entire book of Romans. And I'll tell you right now, we do not understand enough in today's church the fact that it is by faith that it's by God's grace and faith. We get into this thing, and it's, it's a human thing. We start to get into this human thing where we're like, if I just do this today, if I just do this today, if I just do this today, and yet God's saying, no, I just simply want you to believe from your heart in me. Trust me by faith. And then guess what God will do in return? He'll keep you by faith. He'll keep you from the enemy. He'll keep you from sin. Why? Because if my heart is in relationship with God, what happens is, is his Holy Spirit directs and guides me wherever I go. And then if I'm going somewhere he doesn't want me to go, God, he gives me a heart check real quick. Don't go that way. Okay, God, don't go that way. All right, I don't need to go that way. How many of you felt that before? You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what I'm talking about. See, if our hearts are not in the right place with God, how can we expect God to lead us? He can't lead us. He won't be able to. Look at... Jude chapter, or Jude verse 24 through 25. It says, to him who is able to what? Keep you from stumbling. How is God able to keep you? By faith. He's able to keep you by his power. But where does that come from? Through faith. To believe and to know who God is, I have to first what? Believe and know who he is, right? To see him move and work in my life, I have to first what? Believe in all of my heart. That's why sometimes when I talk to people, and they, oh yeah, I gave that Christian thing a try. I'm thinking, did you try from your heart? Or did you try from your head? Because there's a difference. There's a huge difference. You see, the Pharisees couldn't wrap their minds around the fact that Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath. Think about it. Jesus would come into the temple or he would be out in the streets in the marketplace and there would be a healing taking forth. You know what I loved? He always did it on, the, I mean, he did it all the time, but he would always still do it on the Sabbath. Like he knew they were gonna be watching, like, oh, I'm gonna do it again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just to see what they say, you know? And I'm thinking, here, here it is. These men, 
They're so caught up in their knowledge of religion and their knowledge and concepts of of the law, they can't even see the fact that the very Son of God is healing people from illnesses. He's casting out demons. It said at one point there was a lady who had been bent over and wrenched over for years upon years because a demonic spirit had latched itself onto her. And Jesus walks in and frees her. And they're like, "What, Jesus, why are you doing that? How, this isn't important. Let's get out our book. This isn't a part of this. This isn't in the manual, Jesus. This isn't in the manual. We have to stick to these things. You see, the problem is, is when we start to let our head get in the way of our heart, we lose who God is. We lose the fact that he could do a miracle just like that in our lives. And not only that, he could use you to do a miracle just like that. He could use you in this church to reach people and to build it for the kingdom of God. See, if I'm only caught up in what I know up here, I'll miss everything. I'll miss everything. Because Jesus is going, what are you guys doing? What do you mean? Is it, is it not good that this is happening? His point was, look beside the law. Look at what God is doing. And see, that's what we have to do today. We have to look from a place in our heart. So it says again, In Jude 24, it says, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages now and forevermore. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse eight and nine. It says, he will also keep you firm to the end. See, God will keep you if you let him, he'll keep you. He'll keep you firm. Pastor Reese, it's hard. Of course it's hard. Are you kidding? You think your natural flesh wants to do those things? Absolutely not. This is why Jesus said in Luke, I believe it's 14, he said, if anyone wants to follow me, he must take up his cross. He must take up, what does that mean? He must die to his own self, die to his old heart, die to his own desires. Do you understand your desires are from what lies within your heart? He's saying you have to die to that. And you have to be submitted to me. You have to follow me. It's it's simple, but it's hard, right? You see, but see, this is where God steps in. When we can't do it, when we're what? Weak, like Paul says. He's what? Strong, right? When Paul was weak in his own ability, God said, Paul, it's not about you. Don't forget the message. Don't forget what I've shown you. It's not about you. Paul even says at one point, I believe it's still in 1 Corinthians chapter one, he talks about how he went to them, went at, at times, he, went, and went, he didn't go to them in what? Eloquent speech, right? Why is that? I believe he tried that once. And I think it, I think it was a total fail. I, I think he tried to, you know, present it in, in such a way, and guess what? He was doing it from his head, not his heart. And when he finally said, okay, God, it's about what's in my heart, what you've done in my heart. You'll keep me, you'll help me. And as he spoke from his heart, what happened? The power of the Holy Spirit came. The moving of the Spirit came. And then the gospel came forth with power. You see, that's what approved what he was doing. Because why Paul was preaching from his heart. He was preaching from his heart. He says, he will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you want to be blameless? I want to be blameless. I don't know about you. I do not want to be blamed. Have you ever noticed that? Nobody likes to be blamed. Think about it. Come on. You go home, your wife's like, why didn't you take out the trash? You're blaming you. It's like, oh, 
Nobody likes to be, well, it was my fault. It was the dog's fault, you know, because he got it all over the place. You always make up something, right? You don't want to be blamed for something. Well, I'll tell you this today. If you want to be blameless before Jesus, give all your heart to him and keep it in him and you'll be blameless. When he comes back, he'll look at you and smile and you'll know who he is and he'll know who you are immediately. It's from the heart. When we stop relying on God and we try to keep ourselves, that's where we fail. When you stop relying on God's spirit and God's heart and you start to do things out of your own will and your own ability and your own desire, come on now, is anybody awake in here? When you start to do it like that, oh, everything starts going bad, right? Oh man, it's like everything goes wrong, right? Nothing works. And you're coming back to, to the church, you're talking about, I just, I tried all this, I tried all that. And then somebody just throws this out here. They just go, well, did you talk to God about it? you go to God's heart about it and then you're like in your head you're like I don't want to say no (laughs) oh Jesus I'm about to lie I can't tell these people I didn't even go to you about this we do it why because we start to operate out of our own hearts not out of God's heart see it's amazing how Jesus lived he did everything out of relationship in his heart to God everything I mean, wherever he went, and we're called to be like him, right? To walk as he walked. That's what John said. To walk as he walked. Can we walk as he walked? If he could do it, I know we can do it. Why? Because he'll enable us. He'll give us the power through his spirit. Think of it in this way. If we don't keep our hearts in the right place with God, remember that portion in Romans chapter seven where Paul's like, I wanna do the things that I'm supposed to do, but I just can't do those. Yeah, how many of y'all, when y'all read that the first time, you were more confused than anything else? Oh, the first time I ever read that portion of scripture, I had to reread it like 35 times because I was like, what is this guy saying? Because he's like, I do that I wish to do that I not do that I wish to do because I want to do it. And I'm like, what? Like, what does that mean? But essentially, this is what he's saying. What he longs to do for God, he can't do because he's doing it within himself. But when he gives up himself and he longs to obey and follow God, he simply does it. See, that's where it starts. When we give everything up, when we let God be the keeper of our hearts. Again, today, where is your heart? Think about it. Is God the keeper of your heart? Is your heart within him? Are you walking in full obedience to him? Listen, it's, again, it's not easy, but it's easy when you let him do it. It's easy when you surrender to him with it. The third and last thing is this, that our hearts would be closer to God. How many of you in this room want your heart to be closer to God? <laughs> I want my heart to be so close to Jesus. I want it more than anything else. I want it more than anything else. Think about it. Jesus said a man could have the whole world and lose his soul. Would you give up the whole world for Jesus? Everything? Possessions, money, fortune, whatever, fame. Would you give it all up for Jesus? Would he be all that you want, all that you desire? Would that be what you want, him? Look again at Psalm verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 14. Psalm 19, 14, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Interesting. Again, everybody, this is David saying, God, please 
let the words of my mouth let the meditation of my heart. What does the meditation of one's heart simply means? It means this, what you set your desires upon every day, what you think about. To meditate on something is to simply think upon something for an extended period of time. Are you meditating on the things of God's heart or are you meditating on the things of your heart? He says, pleasing in your sight. What does that mean? Meditation of my heart, be pleasing in your sight. That means God can see your heart. He could see your heart. He could see your devotions. He could see what you truly want. And he says, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I think a great example of this is Paul. We know the scripture, and when Paul begins to talk to the church at Philippi, and he talks about how he wants to know the power of his resurrection more. He wants to know, and, and I was talking to my wife the other day. I'm like, if anybody should have known Jesus, it had to have been this man. I mean, this guy got knocked off a horse on a road. Uh, again, how many of you, if that happened to you, that experience, would you walk away from that? Like, I don't know if I know Jesus. I don't know. Like, and he speaks to you audibly. You lose all of your sight. You end up in a town, and this is what gets me even more. We sometimes will read the Bible, and we're for, we'll forget, like, like we'll read, read through one chapter, and it'll be like the next chapter, and we're thinking like, oh, the next day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's like, oh, five minutes later, this happens. You know what I mean? If we don't get the concept of time, this man was blind for three days, basically like in a little hotel, tavern, restaurant, just sitting at a table. Can you imagine being blind for three days without knowing how you're just sitting and somebody led you there and just sat you there and you're thinking, I'm, I'm, this is over. This is the end of my life. This is the end of my life. I'll never get to work out again. I'll never get to, I'll never get to play golf again. I can't see anymore. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to, what is, he's sitting there thinking, I mean, think about that. For three days, you got to ponder your whole life and you have an experience like that. And then of course, Ananias shows up, you know, prays for him reluctantly at first, like, are you sure, God? Like, this is the guy that kills us. Like, you know what I mean? But my point is, is this. If we had an experience like that, if you had an experience like that, do you think your heart would be closer to God? Everybody in this room is going, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, guess what? You don't have to have an experience like that for your heart to be closer to God. You don't. Jesus said, the Jews wish for a miracle, signs and wonders. Think about it. Their hearts were still hard. Jesus just took loaves and fish and fed 5,000, and they're going, who are you? Who are you? Jesus is raising the dead in their sight, yet they don't know who he is in their heart. You see, if we're not careful, we'll chase after miracles, thinking that those things will get us closer to God when they don't. You want to get close to God, you know his heart. You know his heart. His word is his heart. His Holy Spirit is his heart. His son is his heart. When you spend time with Jesus, guess what? You'll begin to know God. I challenged our youth last Wednesday. I said, do you have a secret place? They're all kind of looking at me like, what? I'm like, do you have a secret place? 
Do you have a place where you go to know the heart of God? Do you have a place that is strictly about you and Jesus? And do you go into that place saying, God, I'm here to know your heart? Or do you go in there like, gosh, I gotta be in here for an hour. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten breakfast. How do you embrace that in your life? Because if you embrace it as saying, God, I wanna know your heart, guess what Hebrews says? Think about it. He what rewards those who what? Diligently seek him, right? So when I diligently seek the heart of God, when I diligently say, God, I wanna be closer to your heart, God isn't like, "Mm, not enough, I need more. No, God's like, yes, here, have more. Have more of my heart. Does that mean it's gonna always be this magical experience? No. But it does mean this, that he is gonna be pouring into your heart and into your life day after day after day. It's when we stop seeking God that we lose it, right? It's when our hearts grow cold. We can't ever, we cannot know God enough. We cannot know God enough. It's impossible. It's impossible. We have to know Jesus more and love him more with all of our hearts. I think of this last story as I, as I begin to close, right? Isn't that the thing that pastors do? They begin to close? It's like they have three closings. I'm kidding. I'm not going to have three closings. But I end with this. How many of you know the story of the prodigal son? Come on. Where is the emphasis in that story, in your heart? I wanna know that really quick. Where is the emphasis on that story in your heart? I think some people will put the emphasis on the dad. Some people will put the emphasis on the, you know, the, the other brother who was really upset. Some people might put the emphasis strictly on the fact that that young man left and he took everything, he squandered it, you know, he did all the wrong things. But where is the true emphasis on that story? The emphasis is this, coming back. When that young man was coming back to his father, the heart of that father to that son, do you understand that God wants us that same way? He wants us to know him. He wants us to experience his love that same way, that same way. When we humbly come before him with all of our heart, we can see him move in our heart. My prayer is, today is this, that you would know the heart of God and that you would understand that God, he knows your heart, amen? If you are in this place and you say, you know, Pastor Reese, I don't really know God's heart. Or you say, I know that my heart isn't in the right place with God. Or you say, I want more of God. Then as I pray, I just pray that you pray with me as we begin to close, as we end here in this place. My prayer is that I'm not gonna have a big, huge, you know, I'm just gonna simply ask you to believe from your heart. December 2014, I walked into Pastor Child's office, broken, messed up man, drug problem, just immorality, wickedness, lived a life of it. I walked into his office and guess what I did? I didn't ask Pastor Childs for the secrets of life and how to figure out how to fix myself. I said, Pastor, I, I want to get right with God. I want my heart to get right with God. I want to get my heart right. 
And guess what happened? I woke up the next day with no drug addiction. I woke up the next day completely transformed. I woke up the next day completely changed. Why? Because I said, God, I want to know your heart. Please change mine. Please change mine. And guess what God did? He did that. And he's still doing that. Let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you right now for every person in this place. And God, if there are those in this place who in their heart right now can feel you speaking to them, I pray that, God, they would reach out to you right now in their heart. That, Father, in their heart, they would say, God, I want you. I want to know you more, God. I want my heart to be correct with you, God. I want my life to be about you, God. Lord, we know that everything comes from our hearts. And so God, I pray that you would keep our hearts in this place. You would keep our hearts from sin. Like David said, keep my heart from my hidden faults. Keep my heart and cleanse my heart. Keep my heart from the transgressions that my flesh flesh desires to do, God. Keep our hearts as a church, God, to be about winning the loss, to be about seeking you, God, to be about seeing change in this city, seeing change in the lives of people, God. Keep our hearts close to your desires, to your thoughts. And Lord, we know if we do that, we know that you will enable us. We know that you will lead us. We know that you will guide us. And so Father, I ask for that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that your people would ask for that in the name of Jesus. Keep our hearts so close to you, God. We love you and we worship you. Help us day after day to seek your heart and to know it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much for